It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Oh, Brian, what have you done now? Hi, everybody. This is Bob Gale, co-creator of Back to the Future, and you're listening to Brad Gilmore. Oh, Brian, what have you done now? Doc! 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 Okay, relax, Doc. It's me. It's me. It's Martin. Oh, I can't be. Just sent you back to the future. Yeah. Oh, I know. You did send me back to the future, but I'm back. I'm back from the future. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it some style? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Future, the podcast, the only podcast looking back in time, the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future. I'm your friend in time, Brad Gilmore. And now that we got the pleasantries out of the way, today on the show, Season 8 continues. Today's guest is Michael Waldron. Michael Waldron is the creator of the show Heels on Stars, which stars uh, the Green Arrow, if you're a fan of the Arrowverse, Stephen Amell. Also, though, the reason he's on this show today, he is the writer, head writer, showrunner for Marvel's Loki on Disney+, and for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And if there was ever a man to talk to about multiverses and time travel, it would be Michael Waldron. We talk about how he found himself as a part of the Marvel Universe through his work on Rick and Morty, another Back to the Future uh, show, uh, you know, show that was based on Back to the Future. And, you know, what brought him to writing Loki and then Doctor Strange. And we talk quite a bit about Heels. Heels is the show that he was promoting, and we got to talk about that. I'm a big wrestling fan, as you all probably know from listening to the show for any period of time. Big wrestling fan. So Michael Waldron and I talk about time travel and wrestling, two of my favorite topics of all time. If you didn't check out our episode last week with James Tolkien, that's right. Strickland, you're a slacker. That's what you are. Check this out, by the way. Check this out. Oh, wait a minute. This is the wrong uh, soundboard. <laughs> what is that? It's like an intro song. 
Well, that's not bad, though. Anyway, sorry, wrong soundboard. But if you didn't check out the episode last week, you're a slacker, okay? You're a slacker. And uh, also, while you're at it, go over to Amazon and pre-order the paperback edition of Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. It's expanded with a brand new chapter exclusively for the paperback. It comes out December the 2nd, and uh, you can get it in time for Christmas. So for your, all your holiday needs, if you have a Back to the Future fan in your life or you want to buy it for yourself, go over there and do that right now on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, IndieBound.com, any places that you get a book, Apple Books, you can get it there as well. Any place you get books, um, you can go ahead and pre-order Back from the Future on paperback. But I think that we're here. We're here and it's time to get into the interview. If you haven't already, go give this show five stars on Apple Podcasts so more people can find out about us. I think that we're the only uh, Back to the Future show along with What the Flux. I want to give a big shout out to What the Flux. Uh, I think that they're back with new episodes now, so go check them out as well. But um, give us five stars, rate, review, subscribe, do all the things that you're supposed to do. I'm going to be posting a video of my interview with James Tolkien here on YouTube shortly, so I will link to the description. I'll, I'll put a link in the description below so you can get that view a video once it's ready to be viewed. See, I'm doing this early in the morning, and so I'm, you know, I'm not all the way up there. I'm not all the way there, guys. I feel like Doc Brown, after he wakes up, after fainting, when he sees Marty say he's back, he's back from the future. And now this is the beginning of Back to the Future 3, and it's raining outside. This is apropos. This is sensational. Okay, anyway, sorry, guys. Off on a tangent. Check this interview out. This is Michael Waldron, creator of Heels and head writer and showrunner for Loki and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Matt. And he joins me now. Michael, how you doing, man? Good, good. Glad to be here. Hey, you know what? I'm sure you're glad that finally Loki is out and you can actually talk about it, right? I'm very, very glad. I I, I have to... Sh- I, 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 a few less things I can say that get me killed. It's good. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's been like a whirlwind just having... You know, I think out of the like the initial batch of those Disney Plus shows, Loki, probably like the most popular character in the MCU of, of the first slate. I think you can make an argument for any of them, but Loki just has ties back to that first Avengers movie, first Thor movie. Um, so let's start kind of there. Like, how do you feel about the reaction to Loki, though? How do you feel about it? I mean, people seem to be blown away by that final episode. Dude, it's, you know, humbled, grateful, relieved. If we if we had uh, if we had blown it at the end, you know, you, you don't want to recontextualize the legacy of the show in a negative way. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I, I feel very, you know, I'm just humbled that people watched and cared so much. And I'm, I'm glad, glad we brought it into the station. Did you know there was going to be a season two when you all started production or did you get that note, you know, halfway through the process? It was something that. It, that evolved. We, I think we always knew it was a possibility. You know, we, 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 but it was our goal to tell a complete story with this season and some, something that could stand alone. Um, and that, that would propel Loki into a new chapter of his, his story in the MCU one way or another. So 
you you shoot this thing people are anticipating it you can't say anything this is mcu it's like fort knox the vault is is locked you can't get in was there like a single scene or a moment or a reveal something that you had written that you couldn't wait for people to see so you could talk about it um i mean man i was i was stoked for everybody to see jonathan majors as he who remains that that was the you know no, knowing that we had that ace up our sleeve that, that we were going to really deliver on that and and that, that in fact that was kind of the meat of the finale uh was was meeting that character that that one always felt good about that and that and alligator loki <laughs> well alligator loki won the internet did you did you yeah. i didn't i didn't like when i was watching the episode i thought it was awesome to see an alligator loki but i never thought that would be the number one trending topic the next morning on twitter i knew that was my vision that, that- <laughs> My, my real talent as a writer is knowing what's stupid. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm like the Oracle at the end of the Matrix. I, I didn't know, but I believe. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, every, everybody obviously I mean, loved the show. And the, the last episode, what I loved is you had like this buildup of these huge action moments. You know, even the, the, the uh, episode before, that big action at the end. Um, and then the final episode was more of a conversation between characters. It wasn't this grandiose, you know, set pieces, big action moments. It was very, very small kind of in its, it was small, but it was big at the same time. Was that intentional to have like a real, um, you know, kind of characters having conversations in the final episode? Absolutely. It, it felt like in a lot of ways that had been kind of the bread and butter of the show throughout. Certainly those were my favorite parts were just the conversations. It was, it, it mirrored the first episode in a way that, that, you know, it was just Loki and Mobius sitting in a room, uh, cross-examining one another. And, and we had just done the big, you know, the big kind of action episode in our penultimate episode, episode five. And so it felt like it was an opportunity to, to just, yeah, do something more intimate and build tension in a totally different way. So, I mean, you, you had the, the TVA, you know, time travel, obviously essential in this story. Um, to me, I mean, I, my favorite movie of all time is Back to the Future. I love it so much. I wrote a book about it last year. Um, when you do any time travel story, that's the first thing that people compare it to, right? Back to the Future. When you were writing this um, time travel story, did you have any other time um, uh, time travel movies in your mind of how they handle time travel? Or did you say, look, we're just going to kind of go off what Endgame did and try to, you know, add on top of that? Well, I think you you try to have everything in your head. Certainly, Back to the Future Looper was something I thought about a lot that I thought did a great job of anything that explained time travel in a way that was that was practical. Uh, that, that's that's what I like about Back to the Future is is Doc Brown's a scientist and he's like, look, here's how it works. There's a practicality to it because it was the TVA that, that was what we always said in the writer's room is time travel is not magic. It is paperwork. It represents procedure and bureaucracy in our show and everything. And, and so I just tried to really draw inspiration from, from anything that, that sought to, you know, explain time travel and treat it as a real thing, as a real element of, of the story it was in. So you, um, before you did Loki, obviously you did um, episodes of Rick and Morty, uh, writing episodes of that, which is a, you know, almost a, a playoff back to the future. It is a playoff back to the future. And there's, 
the interdimensional travel in that show. Um, was that kind of what got you on the radar to do Loki? You're writing for that, or how did you kind of get tapped to be the guy? Yeah, that was that certainly helped that that credit. And then I had written a time travel kind of action rom com that that got on the blacklist, which is just a list of screenplays at the end of the year that have kind of generated some buzz around town and that just happened to be the the perfect sample because it was about kind of a time traveling uh rascally character that that you know and, and that obviously marvel wanted to do a time traveling show about loki so it was sort of right place right time and when writing it did you feel because because i want to talk about heels here in a second which i absolutely loved i got to watch the first few episodes today um but when you were writing for the Marvel show, you know, they have very specific things historically. Like, we need this to lead up to go to this, right? I mean, Kevin Feige's thinking down the road. Did you find any of those to kind of constrain your creative process? Or were you okay working within those borders? It actually kind of made the challenge kind of made it all that much more fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't, it, that was always. There, there really aren't constraints, truly. It, it's, you know, there's a roadmap. Sure. And that's an offer to you for, for places to go and cool things to pull from and build to. But the charge is always make, make your thing the best it can be. Make something awesome. Um, and that's, you know, so, yeah, I, 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 I really felt a lot of freedom doing that. So now next up, though, and, and, and you've, now you're able to talk about Loki, but you're not able to talk about the next thing, this Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Uh, now you're going from Disney Plus, kind of the, you getting time, six episodes, a lot of time to tell a story, um, uh, at least the size of Loki. Now you're going to have to kind of, you know, constrain that, I guess, in some regards to a two-hour, two-hour-plus film. Um, how has it been like, I know you can't give anything away, but how has it been like having to write that script and, and going through that creative process? It's been a pleasure, man. I mean, it's Sam Rainey directing it, so it's been, you know, that's, that's been the coolest thing in the world, working with Sam and and that whole team, Benedict and the, and the cast is just fantastic. And yeah, it's, you know, on on one hand, it's, it's, uh, it's less space than a six hour story, but, but with Loki, we really worked hard to make sure every episode stood on its own. Um, and, and so that, you know, that's what you want a movie to do as well. And so you just, you attack it in a, in a similar way and, and ultimately you just trust your instincts that, you know, a good story is a good story, no matter, and no matter how, how long it is. Well, I mean, obviously, Loki was just great. Everybody loved it. I'm sure the the train will roll on for Doctor Strange, but I see you wearing the hat. Let's let's talk about let's talk about heels. We got to talk about heels. Um, the show that you created, you wrote. Uh, pro wrestling has been something that I've loved my entire life. I've gotten to work in pro wrestling for the last nine years under you know WWE Hall of Famer Booker T here for his independent promotion in Houston, um, working with the reality of wrestling, and it's. I mean, tailor-made for a drama, for a sitcom, for a cinematic experience, whether it be on the small screen or the big screen. What was the genesis of this? Were you always a wrestling fan and had this idea in the back of your head, or did you kind of stumble along this along your way? No, man, I was a, I was a diehard wrestling fan. I was watching Booker T and Stevie Ray, Harlem Heat back in the day. Uh, 
No, I mean, I, I was diehard, diehard wrestling fan my, my whole life. And uh, so the show came out of a real affection for the world. And, and yeah, feeling the same thing that, holy shit, this is really, this is right for, for a show, you know, and, and something that we tried to convey in the show is, is that, yes, these guys are tremendous athletes, but they're, I think, first and foremost, they're artists, they're performers, they're storytellers, and it's a, wrestling is a creative endeavor. Um, and that's a really compelling thing to get to write a story about. One of the things that you touched on on the show, like obviously not to give anything away, but there's so many guys who can be something inside the ring, maybe a larger than life character that everybody loves. And then behind the curtain, when they go to their real lives, there's this great duality that they have to play. Um, maybe they're maybe they're playing a baby face, but they're not the greatest of person. Maybe they're playing a heel, but they're really the the good guy trying to hold everything together. Um, this, was that kind of a thing that you like to play with uh, when you were writing the show? Yeah, absolutely. That 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 living up to the expectations of of who you are in the ring, and you know, just identity you know it, it's it's easy to to go out into the ring and, and be the good guy and, and you know and and get the cheers and everything it's a different thing to to be a good person uh in your daily life and to make the choices that make you a face in in reality um that's all rich compelling stuff i i think you know and, and and part of what drives the show did you like have to go to any independent promotions when you were writing this show because i gotta tell you you really nail it because there's a there's a moment in the first episode where um i'll just say one of the characters makes a, a purchase for the show they make a, a purchase and the wife comes to him and was like hey you know you should have talked to me first before you made this big purchase. And he's like, I needed it for the show. We need it for the show. I've literally seen this exact scene play out umpteenth amount of times at Reality of Wrestling between Booker and his wife, Charmel. So uh, did you have to go to any promotions or did you go to any promotions to kind of feel out what the process is for a show this size? You're, for people listening, it's not like you're, uh, the DWL is the WWE. It's a smaller promotion in a, you know, Georgia hometown kind of feel to it. So how did you capture that? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was going to, to promotions and in some game, you know, just over the course of my life, I've been to different uh, small town promotions and stuff, watching documentaries, just just why there's so much content online and just getting a feel for the production value for for anything, you know, behind the scenes, reading, uh, listening to podcasts and, and all of the shoot interviews and, and everything. And, and, and it's like, you know, and, and then just approximating it into my own, you know, if, if I was starting, a, you, you kind of have to become a promoter yourself uh, and, and start, start your own promotion and, and you just let the story take you where it takes you. At the heart of this show, though, it is it's it's you know obviously it covers the pageantry of pro wrestling, but it is a family drama, and so many independent wrestling promotions are 
small family businesses. Some of them have been handed down from generation to generation. You even take to WWE. This is Vince McMahon has got it from his dad who got it from his grandfather. So at the heart of these promotions, a lot of them are just family businesses. Is that kind of another thing that attracted you of, I can tell this story about the, you know, this promotion, but really it's the family drama. Absolutely. It's, it's a great family drama it's also a great workplace drama. You know, it's, it's, it's a mixture of, of the two best kinds of shows to me, which are, which would, you know, the, a family drama and then a, the surrogate family workplace drama. And, and so, yeah, the, the family business aspect of it, it's stranger than fiction. You can't, you know, you can't believe that, that these stories are real, but, but they are. Was there any inspiration, like real life inspiration between some of the characters, um, you know, even the the veteran who left the promotion, went up north and now is a talent scout? Did you base these guys on anyone? I think they're all, you know, they're, they're all in their own ways inspired by different wrestlers that I grew up loving and they, they have they have different, you know, qualities, good and bad, you know, aesthetically emotionally or otherwise it's 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 like yeah you you kind of you kind of pull from all the different wrestlers and just personalities in this world of which there are so many big ones and you and you just you know you, you put them in a stew and see what comes out now i heard quentin tarantino talk one time when he was writing i believe it was his last movie once upon a time he wrote it with brad pitt and leo in mind he said, when I was writing these characters, I saw them uh, in my head when I was making this movie. Was Stephen Amell that for you? Because to me, he was the perfect fit for this. When you think of, you know, not only Arrow, he can do the action thing. He has the look of a pro wrestler, but he's also a massive fan who's wrestled actually for promotions, including WWE, wrestled a match at SummerSlam a few years ago. Well, did you write with him in mind or how did he become part of the process? No, I mean, I, God, I wrote, I first wrote this pilot in 2013 when I was an intern on Rick and Morty. Oh, wow. I didn't really write it with, I just wrote it with, with the, the prayer that it would help me, uh, buy food eventually, (laughs) um, as in mind. Um, and I kind of, no, I, I think in this, in this case, I didn't cast it in my head. That, that felt like that would just, I, I was embarrassed to do that at the, at the time because I was, I was just such a nobody. Um, maybe I have the luxury of doing that a little bit more now, but, but Steven, you know, when we got him, that's when the show fell into place and, and Alexander, you know, that this show perhaps more than others uh, would not work without the very specific casting. There, there has to be such a precise alchemy of um, just great acting ability, but also just pure physicality. Uh, and to have found Steven and Alexander who have both uh, in spades, pun, I guess, intended, uh, you know, it, it's, we're very fortunate. Yeah, I, I will say that Stephen Amell and Alexander, they both crush it in, in their main roles. Really liked it. And for me, I'll be honest, whenever you hear, hey, they're making a wrestling show or they're making a wrestling movie, as a lifelong wrestling fan, someone who has a deep respect for the industry working in it, you get a little hesitant. You're like, oh, you know, what are they going to do? Is this going to be another one of those, oh, wrestling's this circus, can you believe these wild animals? And I really do appreciate 
that it felt like you have a reverence. I mean, you, you felt that in the show. There's a deep respect and admiration for what these guys and girls go out there and do because uh, a lot of people, even there's a scene where someone calls it fake and it's like, look, guys, <laughs> we got to know what these guys and girls actually put their bodies through. And you said it's a performance. And um, I really do appreciate the reverence that you had for the industry. It, it was felt within the show and the writing. And the writing's very... It, it, it clicks for me in certain respects where I hear certain terms like, oh, yeah, he went up north or they're going to put him in developmental. These are things that that guys actually say that even the hardcore fans will pick up on. Maybe the layman doesn't know what you're talking about on the first watch, but the hardcores pick it up. So I do appreciate you throwing throwing that in for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you want it to you obviously want to capture the authenticity of what is a very specific world with a very specific language. Um, at the same time, you want to invite in an audience who doesn't know anything about wrestling to, you know, to, to, to learn about it and to fall in love with it. And so, so you're always trying to strike that balance. And that, that was something that, you know, I worked closely with, with our writing staff and then our, our, our showrunner, Mike O'Malley, you know, as they brought this thing into production, they, they did a great job just continuing to build out the episodes with those just those little bits that just make it feel that much more real. Yeah, of course, Heels is going to be on Stars here coming up very soon. You can check that out. And uh, Loki on Disney+. Plus. My last question for you is pro wrestling related. You said you're a lifelong fan. Who's your Rushmore? Who's, who's your top four all-time pro wrestlers? Top four. All right, I got to go Sting. Okay. Um, Shawn Michaels. I like it. That's an easy. Those are two good, solid, solid bases there. Yeah, that's an easy top two. Um, I think Punk. I, wow. I just I I love him. Uh, I've gotten to know him personally, so we're pal, sure. You know, but but, it's, but I just you know some of those God the pops and the Cena match where he won the title. I, it's like those are some of the best pops ever. Um, and then. I don't know. I, I guess I got to go Stone Cold just in terms of, you know, pure, pure enjoyment. Who, who's, who's brought me so, so much joy. I love Stone Cold. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good top four. So CM Punk, Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, and Sting. I can really, I can live with that, Michael. I can live with that. And hopefully we who's see. Who's yours? CM who's yours? What, what, who's Man, yours? well, see, for me, I think the, the quintessential pro wrestler, like the greatest where, you, where he checks all the boxes, you know, character, promo, in-ring ability, the the entrance. To me, it's the macho man, Randy Savage. I put him up way high on the list. I think he's the quintessential pro wrestler. Shawn Michaels is on there as well for me. You have to put Steve Austin, and then I would probably go The Undertaker. Undertaker, yeah. I mean, that, that's, I think, I think just, it, it, it's hard because Undertaker and also Flair. Flair, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's just those, you know, I almost need six spots because those guys, watching The Undertaker as a little kid, there was nothing cooler in the world than that bell uh, ringing. Oh, yeah. You, you're you right with those two. You almost, it's almost like if you ever have the, uh, like the top five dead or alive rappers, you say, okay, without Biggie or Tupac, let's put them to the side and right. then, let, then let's debate the rest of it. So that's kind of yeah, what yeah. Taker and Flair has done. So again, the show is great. And thank you for bringing pro wrestling to the mainstream and treating it with respect and reverence. I think that every wrestling fan is going to love this show. Um, just like every Marvel fan love Loki. And we appreciate you for, for taking some time and talking to me today, Michael. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks, man. All right. Have a good one. That is Michael. The show is called Heels and Loki. You can get on Disney Plus and Stars. We'll be back in a minute. There he is, Michael Waldron, today on Back to the Future, the podcast. want to give a big shout-out to Michael Waldron. Michael Waldron for joining us. That was a really fun interview, fun treat. Enjoyed having him on here. So we'll be back with a new, brand-new podcast next week. Uh, So don't go anywhere, and make sure, again, you rate, review, subscribe, and get the book, Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. Until then... This is Back to the Future, the podcast. I'm your friend in time, Brad Gilmore, and we will see you in the future.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.